Welcome to Book Where Two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This is kind of a weird episode. It's kind of like almost an interlude, but you just had one of those. So we don't, there needs to be a name for what we do because we've done this before. This is a movie review episode. Yeah. Like yeah. a view, viewterlude. Viewter, we, we can workshop that. I don't think we have to come to a conclusion right now. Booked, viewed. <laughs> oh, that's too close to something else. Um, <laughs> the view? Book sawed, S-A-W-E-D. <laughs> now I just imagine, like, do you ever go to, like, one of those weird um, boutique shops in the city where they sell a bunch of used crap, but they, like, try to make it look artsy? And, like, there's always that one where it's, like, a book that's, like, cut into a shape of heart and, like, the pages are folded open? Um, no, I've never actually seen that. But but my girlfriend did give me a coffee mug that has that for booked. Oh, there you go. Yeah, from a photo, like... Yeah, it's that, and that says booked underneath. I'll, I'm sure I've sent you a picture at some point. I'll send you another picture next time I use that coffee mug. So, sod, I think I'm going to veto. Okay. I don't know if we have veto. Do we have veto power? Sure. I mean, yeah, and something, yeah, because that's why we don't call interviews the hot seat, yeah, if you remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. <laughs> so, one of us use our veto power <laughs> on, on that. Wisely, in retrospect, very wisely. So, but yeah, I mean, we've done this a few times, and I feel like. We, we talked on the last episode, actually, on the last interlude episode, about a number of movies that are coming out um, that are related to either people we know or books we've read and stuff. So this might be happening more more often. <laughs> yeah, thinking, so, like all of our friends get like famous and have their movies adapted. Uh, yeah, I'm just waiting for our movie deal. The booked story. <laughs> hmm. Would it be an expose or a documentary? <laughs> it's, a or... it's an episode of 2020. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, 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 I mean, it could be like a like a serious action movie. It could be. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes. Look, I ate an entire goddamn tub of popcorn, <laughs> the tub, while I was there. If you don't think that that requires a certain athleticism, because not just anybody <laughs> can eat the entire tub of popcorn. What size popcorn? Like a large? Yeah, the one that comes in the round tub. Not the bag. All right. Not the bag. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So, yeah, like, that's let's... dinner. Yeah, that's what I had for dinner tonight. Tonight. So, let's talk about our. Th- let's start with our theater experience. Let's just go like linear through. Do you want to start with the theater experience? Because I feel like yours and mine might have been a little bit different. Um. Yeah. Mine was probably what you what you just what you expect. I went to the local theater. <laughs> um. So I'm 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 hot off seeing this movie. Before we get into that, I'm gonna explain to you. You couldn't get a more timely review from somebody who saw a movie unless you were listening to, and this is going to go way back, Rob, the, the Fatinay podcast. Oh, where they used to record in the car, like after yeah, leaving so these the theater? guys. Yep. The Fatinay podcast was a, um, and and I, I'm, I actually, I'm cheating because this didn't come up like organically. I had this thought that I needed to look these guys up. <laughs> um, good friends of ours, uh, Dan Hines and Joe Prindle. Um, started so <laughs> look back a little bit. I was talking to those guys over lunch, and I don't even think it was lunch. I feel like we went out to get ice cream, like at an Oprah Weiss dairy. <laughs> right. And I had said podcast, book review, me and Rob, and the four of us had worked together, so they knew who Rob was. And they were like, Oh, that's a really cool idea. But like they managed to get a podcast out before we did, even though we had already been talking about it. And they were yeah. two fat guys re- movie, reviewing movies. Fat and A. 
Um, Before you go I, on, and, yeah. and I don't know if I'm interrupting the thing that you're going to get at, but do you remember what they were asking us for ideas, right? Uh, for, yeah, kind for, of. Yeah, yeah. For names for the podcast, do you yes. remember what my suggestion was? Oh, critical mass. Critical mass is so yes. brilliant. Yes, they did um, not like and they that went at all. with fat and a. So, um, yeah. Fat and a, I was trying to find out how many episodes Fat and a had because it's it's unfair. If you if you go if you Google it and you go to Stitcher, there are only six episodes. And I was concerned because I was like, no, I know they did more than that. But their first episode is called um, Fat and a Podcast Returns. I just can't seem to find the the episodes before that. At any rate, wow. um, they did this for on and off for a couple of years. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. It's like the goofiest shit you ever hear on Booked is like kind of their low key stuff. I think that's a fair way to to explain Fat Day. Yeah, I don't, well, um, I I can't even. I just can't. But I just <laughs> All can't. I can tell you is that the 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 brilliance in that was in the early episodes where they would the two of them would go see a movie, then they'd go sit in their car in the parking lot with a recorder, voice recorder, and record their review. Which means that like there's commentary on people like walking out of the theater and past their cars yeah. and stuff and yeah, just <laughs> great, great stuff there. But uh, it's it's been probably four or five years now since there's been an episode of Fat and A. But the Fat and A Facebook page is still somewhat active, which leads me to believe that one day, one day maybe there will be a new episode of the Fat and A podcast. Oh, a triumphant return. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I feel like you were going somewhere deeper. Because we were talking about movie experiences, or no? Was that it? No, no. I was just going to say yeah. that that's that's the only way to get a fresher oh, take on yeah. a movie was to go back and listen to those guys. I actually yeah. drove home first, but um, yeah, I actually saw it in the same theater that the Fat and A podcast used to watch theirs. Uh, theirs in, I, I got off work and uh, did you a couple could quick walk there. Yeah, I could. Yeah, it's actually like two parking lots over from my work, um, and uh, yeah, I sat in the um, the first row. Like there's like those rows down on the floor. And then there's like that, that like where you start going up the steps, but there's like a little divider wall. So I usually sit in that row. So it's probably yeah. like the equivalent of the 10th row if it was all filled in. Um, but that way you have nobody in front of you and you got a place you can like, you know, prop one of your feet up on and somewhere to set your popcorn and drink like for a minute. That's not the floor. So um, that's it. Yeah. Other than that, real standard, uh, standard theater, no 3D, no 4K, no nothing. Just regular old theater. Oh, supporting the local. Yeah. You, on the other hand, Mr. Moneybags, I thousand dollar movie experience. It was twenty five dollars for the, the ticket. And then I got food there. So I went to have you ever gone to the IPIC theaters? I have not. Now, is that owned by Apple? It is not. Okay. Well, you, um, you sent that to me in a message, and I was like, I didn't know they had theaters. I thought it was just the iPhone and the iPad and the iMac. Um, I pick theater. So the whole idea with those theaters is that um, they just have, like, and, and from what I understand, the, so the theater I was in has, like, a fancy section and then a normal section. And the, obviously the fancy section costs more money, but it's got the leather reclining seats. Um, but what this also has is like at your seat, like food and drink service and they serve beer and wine and, and cocktails and stuff. And so I was like, I don't really like going to movies very much. And if I do, I, I don't want that kind of like he, like you chose your seat based on like the level of comfort and, and stuff like that. 
just take that like a hundred times like more picky, and that's what I wanted from my from my movie experience. So, um, it was like twenty five bucks for the ticket and had the leather recliner, assigned seats, and all that kind of stuff. And then there was like a waitress who uh, took like food and drink orders and stuff. So, I had some some nachos, and um, I ordered a beer. And then because I was in the fancy seats, complimentary popcorn. Wow. So um, so I, I have questions. Sure. Now, the only other experience I've had that was even remotely like that is when we went and saw Rob Zombie's 31 on the original yeah. or on one of the earlier episodes of Sod. That's what we're calling it. So we come Sod. up with another name, by the way. Yeah. Um, which was super cool. But uh, we did not have and I don't remember seeing now that uh, theater had a, had a bar, but I don't remember there being like a waitress. Yeah, there was no service in the actual right. theater. Yep. Yeah. Which so is you paid twenty five for your ticket. Okay. Yeah. Can I ask what your do you know what your total bill was with a nachos and a beer? Uh I don't remember. Okay. It was it was probably like the nachos and the beer. So the nachos I know were like fifteen dollars. And the beer was probably it ended up being probably it ended up being over twenty dollars. I'm I'm sure okay. of it. I'm gonna I'm so when you say nachos though, this was like restaurant style nachos, right? It wasn't like you got the like, you know, thirty yellow chips with like the, the cheese on the side. No. I'm assuming you got something substantial. It's, like it's a more okay. gourmet experience, yeah. Okay. All right. No, because I know they have yeah. nachos at the theater I went to, but you get the, you know, the little plastic little clam pack, yeah. right? All with right. it, yeah. So so I'm trying to think. So Some you dropped, on there so you dropped like fifty bucks and had dinner, yeah. essentially. Okay. All right. I mean, yeah. I'm just trying to. I mean, my ticket was like I think it was eleven fifty, and sure. then I, I I'm not kidding when I say I got I got the small soda, which is like five fifty. Um, but the theater soda, at least the one I go to, the soda is always just terrible. I don't even know why I buy it. It's just it's it it, it tastes like it's eating the um the the lining of the cup immediately. <laughs> Like, like there's like a plasticky taste in the soda. Ugh. And then I got the tub of popcorn and I think that was 15 bucks for, for the pair. Yeah. So, I so, mean, um, not that bad. I mean, comparatively speaking, you came in about half of what I came in uh -huh. for, for the experience. Um, I was in, um, for people who don't live in Illinois, this won't mean much, but like, I'm going to tell you where this theater was now. It was in South Barrington. And so Barrington in general, South Barrington, that whole area, uh -huh. Is rich, and so like I pull into the parking lot in my nine-year-old Toyota Yaris, and I'm parked next to like Mercedes, Mercedes, like Audi, like all these fancy luxury cars, and there I am, and I was like in a hoodie, wearing jeans, and I was like, I am very out of place in this in this in this mall. Is, but, is that the Barrington Thirty? I mean, is that what it used to be or whatever? No, this, know is, separate. this is an entirely okay, this separate. Okay, a different thing. Because I used yeah. to go to Barrington Thirty all the time. The I used AMC, to live right down the street yeah. from there. Yeah. Yeah, this is a whole different, yeah, this is a whole different um, mall kind of area. So, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I I really enjoyed the experience. I actually told um, friends of the podcast Jesse and Misty, who will be visiting at the end of March, that I hope that there's a movie that we can have an excuse to go see while they're out here. I'm sure you guys will find something, even if you've seen it like six times already. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Hopefully, it'll be playing Scott Pilgrim. Somewhere. <laughs> Here's how we're going to do this review because we're not very good at movie reviews. Um, we've decided that we're going to break this up into kind of two independent sections. So one section will be how um, did this movie fare 
versus the book, which we reviewed now four years ago. Yeah. And even though both Rob and I re-listened to the review, I'm still kind of murky on on my memory of the book. Um, the movie served to jog my memory a little bit, but we've read and reviewed a ton of books since then. So it's it's uh, it's going to be a challenge. Um, one of the things that happens, it happens more to Rob than it does to me. But the, the speed with which we read these books. So if you're yeah. listening and you read a book, you may be like, oh, I take like a couple weeks and go through a book and read a few pages every day kind of thing. There are times where Rob and I, and Rob specifically, reads a book in like two sittings, which I think makes it harder to retain because you don't yeah. have those characters with you for three weeks or a month in some cases. Or I've, I've known people who they're like, oh, I'm reading that book. I'm like, weren't you reading that book like four months ago? And they're like, yeah, I'm almost done. So they, you know, for them, it's like watching a, a TV series, <laughs> the, right. the, the, the traditional way over a period of, you know, 20 weeks or something. Um, so we're going to do that and we're going to talk about what we think the book to movie conversion was like. And then we're going to try to talk about it as a movie um, independently. Right. Like I don't, yeah. didn't know a whole lot about this. I walked into this movie because for me, it's it's a there's some similarities, but there's some significant differences in how I feel about it that way. And then we'll give it. Uh, we'll do what we do here. We'll give it some stars, and then uh, and then we'll move on. Word. So, um, Rob, why don't you kick it off with a little bit about the the book to movie? And and of course, we're going to try to keep the spoiler free on both sides. Okay. Um, <laughs> but there will likely be some stuff. I don't. I don't think we're going to do spoiler talk for this. We might. I don't know. I'll leave that up to Rob. But uh, we're going to try to keep this clean for you in, in the event that you're interested in reading the book and or seeing the movie. So, like Livius said, um, it's been like four years since we read the book, so it's not fresh in my mind. But um, re-listening to our review of the book did help me kind of like reacquaint myself with um, some of the character names and some of the general like plot things that happened. Um, and and I, I rewatch, I re-listened to the uh, episode of the review after watching the movie, so. <laughs> It didn't help me necessarily when I was watching the movie, but it helped me kind of contextualize differences after the war, after the fact. And and I'll start by saying, I think, I thought while I was watching the movie, I don't remember this going that way. Um, enough where I was questioning my memory of of the book. And I don't know, Libby, did you feel kind of the same way? I, I did it the other way around. Yeah. So I had a little bit more refresher, and no, the the movie is is significantly different from yeah. the book, from from my recollection. Yeah. So like one of the kind of, I feel like in the book, um, getting actually into Area X happened a lot faster, and it may have happened in a kind of um, nonlinear timeline, and that's why um, where we might have like flashed to before and after. I don't really remember exactly, but I feel like we got into Area X a lot faster, and um, there was a big focus on at the beginning of their expedition, um, this uh, like hole kind of thing, like a. I think we were describing it as like a tower, but that goes into the ground instead of coming out of the ground. Um, right. Yes. Yeah. And that r- really didn't happen at all in the in the in the beginning of uh, the the movie. So like from the very beginning, you're noticing. Um, differences in in the way that the narrative was laid out and i think also differences in in the in the amount of interaction between 
characters that I didn't feel there was much as as much of in the book. Right. So a few different things. Um, as Rob said, the the tower, which mm-hmm. is how I believe it was referred to in the book based on our review, um, just doesn't exist. There's there's like a substitute for it in the movie. Um, but yeah, yeah, they spend a lot of time in it in the book, from what I remember, um, versus very little time in it in the movie. Um, there's also, as you had said, there's a lot more character kind of development, um, relationships kind of develop. Uh, significantly more than the book, but we're also we give these people names, which they didn't have yeah. in the original um, book for the reason, if I remember correctly, and I'm really going out on a limb here, I think it was because they weren't supposed to make friends. They all had their specific role to play. I also am pretty sure that it was only four women instead of five, which is what's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Yeah, I remember um, a similarity is that this expedition... Um, the, the timeline of expeditions was, was pretty spot on where there had been several expeditions that had gone in in the past and nobody came back. Um, and this was the first time that they were sending in people who specifically weren't military and were more of like a scientific background to do, uh, to do research and stuff. So that stayed the same. Um, and, and I might be going a little too general on this, but one of the things that I was very relieved stayed the same was um the weirdification of the landscape like it was very obvious from the moment they entered what they called the shimmer that something was happening to impact the uh, wildlife the flora and fauna of of the area in in a weird way that wasn't natural to everything else in the world i guess Yeah, I think they did a great job adapting that. I don't remember how um, how true that is to the original story, like some of the things they come across. Mm-hmm. But it, it was uh, it was good because I didn't I, I only watched the trailer once because I kind of knew we were going to do it for the podcast. And there really wasn't a lot of point in me, you know, pulling apart the trailer by watching it numerous times. And I felt like in the trailer, it looked more generic than it was. Yeah. Uh, a planer, I guess generic's not the right term. It just looked planer. It looked like they were in the forest. And definitely there's not a lot of shots in this movie where you don't see something that's out of the ordinary. And typically um, very interesting and or um, pretty beautiful, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like not just interesting, but appealing. Uh, so yeah. that was one thing as far as the adaptation goes that that I liked. Um, character wise, I felt like the biologist whose name I can't remember from the movie I just saw two hours ago. I, I, Lena, you know, yes, Lena. Yep. Um, I thought I felt like they did a good job with her and they do the weird flashbacks to her relationship with her husband. And, and I felt like she felt familiar um, to me. The other characters, I, I don't I don't know. I don't have enough of a recollection of. But I will say that I do believe that she was adapted well. To you know, the Natalie Portman. Sure. That makes sense. Like I, I liked that character and that felt again from a book I read four years ago to be fairly authentic. Although I don't, I don't really remember the other characters. Kind, I mean, I don't say at all, but really kind of at all from the book. So here's what I'll say about that. I agree with you. I don't really remember the other characters from the expedition uh, very well either, but um, the way that all of their individual stories played out to me sounded very, uh, familiar to the story that I remember reading. So like 
personalities, whatever, didn't really remember them very well, but how, like, what their inevitable, you know, outcome was for each character seemed to, to reflect the book. Okay. Um, one thing I'll say that, that was strikingly different, at least in my re- recollection, was the explanation of Area X, right? Mm-hmm. Because in the movie, um, it's explained that something happened uh, three years prior to when the movie's taking place, and um, uh, this shimmering Area X thing was, you know, created or you know came, came about. And it was slowly growing over time to take over more, a larger and larger, you know, part of, uh, you know, the landscape. I think it was like in Florida or whatever. And if I remember correctly from the book, this seemed like it was something that was very well established. And it was not something that was um, kept from the public. It seemed to me that the public knew about it. Like it was like kind of folklore No one's been in there. No one knows what's in there, but they were aware of it. Right. Yes, I, I had that same feeling, too. And and some of the things and I'm not really clear on why this would change um, again from listening to our podcast. I believe it was a, a much longer period of time, like 30 years, yeah, like decades. Yeah. Yeah. There had been, I think, 12 or 13 expeditions versus three and three years, right. which is what I believe it was in the movie. And, and, and that those didn't make sense to me um, on why you would change that. So why you add a fifth character okay that that might make some sense and the fifth character they added and this is not a spoiler because this, this comes up pretty quickly is a paramedic and all yeah. of the original crews were some type of science based um and i don't remember what they were but there was the psychiatrist and the biologist and the i don't know whatever do you know what i mean right having a, a paramedic just seemed <laughs> like that was no offense to, to Sean Ferguson or any paramedics who, who might be listening, <laughs> but that seemed to be like like the the, the low end um, of the of the uh, you know uh, it's the word I'm looking for like scientific spectrum sure. was was being. so but you know all right so that might play a role in the film or not you know but I just couldn't understand why the changes were made also if I remember correctly Area X in the book I felt was the area where that we're calling the shimmer in yeah. the movie. Yeah. And in this area X is the military slash scientific outpost that is just outside of the shimmer. And again, I, I'm not sure if, um, if that goes back to, uh, you know, the original story being too highbrow for moviegoers, which is something we talked about on the last episode as well. We kind of read through that article on, on some of the thoughts yeah. of, um, why this movie isn't being released internationally in theaters and why it was sold directly to Netflix in Europe and, you know, a variety of other things. But I, I, some of it just didn't make sense to, to me as far as how, you know, why the changes are made. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Um, I, in my memory, I had always taken it that like the, the affected place was called area X and the shimmer was like the effect that they were witnessing. Like you said, Right. Yep. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> when you're talking about why they added a paramedic, and it seemed kind of weird, um, <laughs> I don't. I don't do a lot of game stuff in my life, but like, I think that I know enough to like to say that like, you always got to send a healer, right? When you go out right, on an adventure, yeah. kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. So I took that as like just like 
the game logic of, well, who's going to fix them when they get hurt? Um, so I was, a, I was about to talk about something very movie related and I caught myself because we're still kind of talking about the differences. So I'm going to hold off on what I was going to say until we get to just kind of analyzing the movie on its own. But do you have any other kind of differences that you want to cover before we move on? You know, nothing that we could talk about here um, in specifics, right? So sure. the end was vastly different from what I remember. And again, my memory may be faulty. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know if we're going to do that. I don't know if this merits spoiler talk. <laughs> uh, uh, there's probably well, be a lot of ranting if we do. <laughs> I don't think we're going to do spoiler talk for this, but I will. Yeah. I'll, I'll echo that the ending to me felt like something that was written for the audience if that makes sense uh yeah yeah i i yes i agree in a way <laughs> um now i don't you know there, there's a couple things to remember and i'm going back to episode you know 198 when we interviewed um vandermeer and he kind of told us what the structure was for the other two books and when this was announced we knew it was a trilogy um I could accept an ending being changed a little bit in a movie if, you know, you're doing the first the first book to slash movie and you're not sure if it's going to carry out to the other two. Right. Um, you may have to have more closure where if you're picking this up and, and because of how this how he sold these books, the book said, you know, book one of the Southern Reach trilogy on the first edition. Yep. So that's a little different when you close it. If there's, you know, a sense of something that's left incomplete or, you know, kind of like a dangling thread or even a cliffhanger ending, you're like, well, of course there is because we already know there's a second book. So I think when you're doing a movie, um, A, you know, movies are they, they never know if they're going to do a second one until they see how much money the first one made. <laughs> you yeah. almost have to make some changes and provide a little more closure. Um, sure. Yeah, that makes if, sense you knew it was going to be a trilogy. So 50 shades of gray. I never saw the entire first movie. I did <laughs> try watching part of it. And like halfway through, I fell asleep, but I imagine that ended just like the book, but let's face it. They already knew they had signed on and we're going to do all three books to movies. So it's okay. And I think people understood that. So if you end up with a lame ending, it's because book movie two, in this case is going to pick up. Makes so. sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it does, yeah. It definitely was different than, definitely was different than the book. So, let's talk about the movie on its own. There's like, there's a few thoughts I have on the style and the presentation and stuff that that uh, I think are going to be worth talking about. This is probably more your area, so I'm going to let you kind of kick this off. Uh, visually, it's astounding, if you ask me. Like, uh. The way from the moment that you get into Area X and you're seeing all like the weird, the way that things, the way that nature changes and stuff like that, when you're seeing like all these crazy flowers and and stuff, um, it's gorgeous. It's just really well done. The trees are all very like colorful and 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 it's just so visually beautiful. I agree. I, I agree <laughs> that the cinematography. And the, you know, I'm guessing practical and special effects. I don't know how they did, you know, how they do most of that stuff through magic and trickery. Um, yeah, all of it was it was very pretty. Um, and done in a style in some parts that reminded me of, um, and you're just going to laugh because why wouldn't you? Um, some of the Hannibal 
like some of the more like <laughs> I thought there's no way I'm gonna laugh at whatever he's gonna say just because yeah. he said that. But yeah, never mind. <laughs> but uh you'll you'll get what I mean. Like there was the one scene where um there was like they found the the, the guy's legs and then that weird in the pool. Mm-hmm. That was totally straight out of Hannibal. Like the way that that was like de- designed and laid out and everything looked like right, something they would like find one in of those it. art installations in in the TV show Hannibal. Yeah, yeah totally. I, I could see that. Yeah, so it was already like the moment I saw that I was like, oh, I'm going to love everything in this movie because the visual style is is already very appealing to me. But like, yeah, from a from a movie point of view, from like the like the the nature, the scenery, the everything was just very beautifully done. Um, How'd you feel about some of the music? Um, <laughs> it was grating. Um, I, hate, I hated the music. Um, the, the it all felt like it, it, it was it was like one step away from being the like choo, 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 pow, yeah. right? Like it, it was this. Um, I don't even know what instrument they use, but. Uh, like, like like chords struck wrong repeatedly whenever something was going to when music intensifies sorry that's a little bit of a thing for anybody <laughs> who listens to the view right the subtitle music intensifies yeah um, it, like that yeah if and when that comes out on i mean it's going to come out on video but watch it with subtitles and i guarantee you music intensifies shows up a ton i knew that that was going to be a sticking point for you especially like at the end of the movie like that whole last kind of scene before you get to like, you know, the whole kind of the denouement when like, you know, like mm-hmm. when the big thing was happening, I was like, Olivia's just going to hate this. And yeah. I don't know, I don't know about you in your theater, but they had the sound up so loud that like things were vibrating. Oh like yeah. The no, table I didn't was vibrating and stuff. I didn't expect, well, A, I didn't have a table. B, it was not up really loud, but. <laughs> Now that you're on that final scene, without giving anything away, I felt like I was watching Twin Peaks, The Return. It got weird, didn't it? And it annoyed the shit out of me. (laughs) Yeah, that was... So, um, uh, I believe that was a departure from... This is where the ending just kind of like took a whole left turn. Because I remember in the book there was notebooks. There was like a big pile of notebooks. Anyway, um... There, yeah, it's like this. If you ask me, the CG budget for this movie was huge, and probably eighty percent of it was like the last five minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, other than and this isn't funny thing, other than a giant, giant crocodile, alligator, <laughs> whatever that was, yeah, all the rest of the CGI was, as Rob said, spent in the last you know twelve minutes or so of the movie, and and in um, not a way that I appreciated. It it was uh, it, it, and here's where I could see some of the the it's you know it's not something that's going to be appealing to audiences because it's too intelligent. I don't necessarily think the end was necessarily intelligent, but it didn't tell you what was going on, and so you had to try and figure out what the hell does all this stuff mean that's going on. And so, for the audience that just wants to have it kind of handed to them. That ending is not going to be very satisfying at all um, for the audience who is like me, more open to interpreting the meaning of the things that went down. It's it's still challenging. 
You know, and I don't know if it's if it's just that because you're right. I, I'm I'm a little bit uh, on the side of of people that you mentioned previously. But that being said, it was you know you said it took a left turn. I don't think it just took a left turn from the book. I think it took a left turn from the movie. Yeah, and that's what's really uh, the hardest thing to 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 swallow for me. And, and I'm going to let this serve as a little bit of a wrap up about how I feel about the movie. Is that that it, it just came out of nowhere. So you've got these kind of things that are morphing a little bit and, and, you know, and you have these things and then you get to the last few minutes and it's not like, like a story that unfolded. It's like a story that went off a cliff. Like Hmm. the, the, the change in, in the, the feel and the tone of the movie is almost like that could be an ending from a completely different movie. Like nothing built towards that for me. It's like it trucked along and kind of did its thing. And, you know, but, you know, I don't even know this, but, you know, some people get hurt and some things happen. And then just out of nowhere, you've got just this this batshit crazy stuff happening. So for me, it didn't unfold. It just exploded and, and not in a way. <laughs> That I would say, all right, so it ended with this beautiful, this great fight scene, you know, that, no, it just kind of went off the rails, in my opinion. I felt, I started feeling, um, as as the movie was wrapping up, when she got to the destination um, that, that was talked about, that um, they definitely started writing it to tie everything together. Like, the the... It was much more faithful to what happened in the book um, as they were still struggling through kind of the act two part of the story. But once it started getting into like, well, we're wrapping things up now, it really felt like they were like, all right, we got to bring it all home in a way that didn't line up with my memory of the book. Because obviously, like you said before, this book was going to grow into two other books that could continue the story. Um, That's my impression. Could be wrong about that, but um, it did definitely feel like suddenly they were getting really tidy with their storytelling, in a very, very messed up, messed up way. <laughs> so, yeah, do you want to count that as your your wrap up, or do you want to do anything anything more? No, I, I mean I'd like to kind of summarize the the whole thing because I, I have I have some weird feelings about this. Uh, I think that if you read the book, it's um, almost important to see the movie because I think a lot of things were realized in this in this movie um, that are I don't know if helpful but they're a nice supplement to having read the book. So I would recommend this movie for somebody who read the book. If you did not read the book, I think you should just go see a different movie. Um, so two very different feelings that, <laughs> that I have about it. Um, I think that uh, seeing what I'm going to continue to call area X, regardless of what it's called in the movie um, was really good. And I think that the characters were, were pretty good. And I really like Natalie Portman in this. Um, I did, don't think it was, um, you know, very faithful to the book, but I think there's some visuals there and some character development stuff that that's worth watching. um, If you're already kind of bought into the ecosystem. If you're just saying, oh, you know, it's a $5 Tuesday, maybe I'll check out this Annihilation. Like, just go see whatever movie you saw last that you really liked that's still in the theater. Just go see that again. So um, kind of as an overall, giving it some stars. I, again, I have mixed feelings on it, so I'm, I'm going to go like two and a half stars on this one. Mm. Um, 
All right. I guess I'll start. Are we just, was this just the movie? I, I just kind of knocked them both together. So, mm, All right. I believe that Livius and I both really enjoyed the book. And um, we gave it, I think we gave it at least four stars each, if not more. So uh, the book experience was great. The The follow-up conversation with Jeff Vandermeer was great because it kind of, you know, it, 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 it gave us kind of a deeper feeling for what he was trying to accomplish, which gave us, you know, good context for, for how the story, why the story happened the way it did. And Vandermeer, super nice guy. And it just, it was, it was a really cool experience to talk to him and, and, and read the book, the movie, even before I went into it, I had heard via social medias that it was not necessarily super faithful to the book. So I wasn't expecting it. Um, I also knew going in that it was, written and directed by the guy that did Ex Machina and Livius and I am sure we'll come back around to that. Um, so I kind of had an idea of what the style was going to be like and, and what the, the challenges that the movie put on the viewer might be like going in. Um, and I'm way open for weird stuff that doesn't make sense. So this was definitely playing to my, you know, the things that I, I would probably like. Um, I think visually it was gorgeous. I think it was so well presented and I'm glad that a story like this came around in a time where we had the technology to make it as beautiful as it was, as it was presented because the story deserves it. And specifically, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but the, you even see it in the, in the trailer. If you've seen the trailer, the, the, the plants that look like people shapes, that whole part of the movie was fucking great. It was amazing, and it was, and it was actually well done with the way it looked and everything. Uh, I don't know if it necessarily loses points for deriving, der- derivating from the original story, because I feel like it was a pretty good story on its own. Uh, up until some of the stuff that happened at the end, I was a little bit uh, not super happy with. Although the weird cacophony, cacophony, is that the right word? Uh, I believe so, yes. Of sound, yeah, at the end, uh, was a little bit, it was intense. And uh, I, I think had it been any more intense or gone on longer than it did, it would have taken me away out of the movie. But it kind of forced me to just kind of focus on the details of what was going on. So it was interesting. And overall, I enjoyed the movie. If I had to rate the adaptation part um, of the faithfulness to the original movie, I mean to the original book I'd give it like a two and a half or three stars, but the movie itself I really enjoyed, I'm going to go four stars out of five yeah (laughs) Um, this is the part where listeners are thankful we don't review movies all the time because I'm sure that was just one hot fucking mess that just happened there I have to say something that that I, that hasn't come up at all, and it's surprising. There was some really gruesome and shocking stuff. Really, really graphically gruesome stuff. There was. There was, absolutely. My God. Can't talk <laughs> like, about it. But yeah, there was some very cringe kind of moments where I, you're like, oh. I definitely watched someone get up and walk out of the theater during one of the scenes, and I was like, good, <laughs> good job, guys. You really nailed it if you're making people leave the theater. so <laughs> Kind of pussies where they're going to that theater yeah. in Barrington. My God. They're like, oh, no, blood. 
Um, yeah, very, very gruesome. Um, you mentioned Ex Machina, which <laughs> we're probably going to diverge on this. I thought it was an, an okay movie. <laughs> I liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I own it. I bought it. <laughs> I figured I figured all of now, this out already. Livius and I were talking before we, we started recording, and he, you very much... <laughs> what was the comment you made about the difference between this and Ex Machina? This movie did not have a cool, weird dance scene in it. So I'm on Jeff Vandermeer's Facebook page right now, um, just because I wanted to see. He had made some comments about like the difference between the movie. And I found this post where he makes uh, about 10 different bullet points of, of things that have to do with the adaptation um, movie. And one of them, uh, he says, one thing that cracks me up is that some critics have said the movie doesn't have something as startling as the dance in Ex Machina, even though Annihilation does in the form of a very startling dance sequence. If you've seen it and are wondering, dance? Think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I was not criticizing it for that. I was saying it was one of the differences. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, yeah I, Ex Machina was... was, was it was okay. I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm just not cut out for movies anymore. Is what it is. You just want it just spoon fed to you, don't you? I don't. It's not even the spoon. I, I don't think that it's spoon fed. I just I don't know. Sometimes I think people just try to be too weird. Like that. There's an actual attempt to be too weird. <laughs> um, another bullet point worth mentioning, and I might pull out a couple more as we talk. Um, you'll get best results from thinking of the movie as an alternative exposition into Area X. Not the one in the book. Garland describing the movie as a dream of reading the novel is accurate. So that'll put some context into it. Like, it seems like the differences between the book and the movie were very intentional on the part of Garland, the guy. Was it Alex Garden? Adam? Alex Garland, the guy that made the made the movie. So look, can we let's can we tease that apart a little bit? Yeah. Because what that sounds like to me, and I, I could be completely wrong, and, and, and I mean, I, I get how this works, right? Somebody comes to you and says, hey, we love this book. Here's X amount of dollars. We're going to make this into a movie. And you go, fuck yes, because I just got paid more than I did for writing the book, right? Unless you're Stephen King or somebody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but you basically give up control. And then somebody says, they, they get someone, they go, hey, we want you to write this. We bought this. We think it's great. Can you write and direct this? And then the person reads it goes, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I don't like in here that I'm going to change. I mean, yeah. that's really what happens, right? Yeah. Like your baby is bought, given to somebody else who says your baby's ugly and I need to make some changes. Um, and, and I, you know, feel about it how you will. It's, uh, I almost feel like those movies should just not have the name of the original. If that's, if you're going to kind of take it in your own direction and do things, um, I'm going to really go back in time here. East of Eden. It's a movie that came out that was based yeah. on a book by, by Anne Rice, <laughs> where it was about um, people on a like sex island, essentially, where, you know, you basically go there and you pay and you have someone's like your sex slave, but not, you know, they're paid to do it. That's not like actual sex slavery. <laughs> and, and the book is the book is like pretty good. I, I enjoyed the book. And then they made it to a movie and they put fucking like Rosie O'Donnell and Dan Aykroyd into it, which weren't characters in the book. There, there were no detectives. There was nothing slapsticky about it. It was really more of a kind of love story. Yeah. Originally. And like putting on there, you know, based on Anne Rice's book, 
is like a fucking travesty. Like, essentially, you bought the rights to it, and then you said, well, there is this island, and uh, we're going to use the island and then make up our own fucking, like, shit around it. For some zany adventure? Yeah, I'm not saying that's <laughs> what happened here, because I think that, by and large, it was kind of faithful to, to the story. Um, But, you know, when you hear something like that, that's that's like the, the guy who wrote the movie and now the guy who wrote the book that are, like, saying, listen, th- this is this is this is not what, <laughs> what I signed up for. Essentially, right? I mean, that's that statement means to me. Well, I don't know. He seems overall positive about um, the movie in general, um, and and I think he's just kind of accepting of the fact that, like, in the medium of film, it has to be a different story than in the medium of of a, like a print book. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that there are disappointments. I'm sure that there are things that he saw and he was like why did you do this or why, you know, I wish you would have done this instead. But it sounds like he was like part of the per- like production. Like he was on set and stuff. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. I mean, I get why people do it. I, I, I understand it from all avenues. I, I don't know. I, it's, it's gotta be tough. It's gotta be tough being on either side of, of, of this, this coin. Right. Cause there's the whole Alex Garland side where he's like, mm-hmm. this is my art. <laughs> And people are like, you just took someone else's story and made a movie out of it. And he's like, yep. no, I fucking wrote this. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Both sides have to be tough. <laughs> yeah. But this just kind of goes to speak to the fact of like, why can't movie people just write goddamn movies and book people just just I mean, you know, you know, what I mean, like, what? why do we have to have, you know, a million reboots? And then these these movies that are made from books that that in 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 a lot of cases just aren't done terribly well. And I do think, like I said, as an adaptation, I don't think this is terrible. I've seen much worse. Yeah, I just mentioned East of Eden is is probably the worst. But I, I just I don't know, man. I hear you. So, what would be the the book that you've read that you like treasure that you would hate to see ruined by a movie? Yeah, I, I don't. I might have to go see A Wrinkle in Time. Hmm. But if I see a wrinkle in time, set aside 45 minutes for me to rant. I'm already unhappy about a wrinkle in time. And uh, from what I've seen of the trailers, I am not super excited. Um, I think, though, and and uh, I, I read The Wizard of Oz just a few years ago. And, and I, I love the movie. And I've loved the movie since I was a little kid. And I love it to this day and still see it, you know, at least once or twice a year. Um I feel a little bit like a wrinkle in time is to the movie is to the book as the wizard of Oz is to the book, the wizard of Oz, because when I read the book of wizard of Oz, I thought this is really kind of boring. Oh, Hmm. so, you know, for some people, um, that that's exactly what might happen. They may go see a wrinkle in time, a a youngster, a 12 year old could go see that and say, ah, this is so good. I'm going to read the book and then read the book and be like, this book is really boring. (laughs) So I guess sometimes it depends on what you on what you had first. The movie of the true, book. True. Uh, speaking of, I, f- I think we forgot to talk about how the how the movie's doing. Do you want to talk about ratings? I had no. Uh, yes, I I didn't forget. I just had no information. Oh, I've got that. I've got IMDb and uh, Rotten Tomatoes pulled up, so I have some kind of general idea of what's going on right now. The so looking on IMDb, the meta score from Metacritic.com is 80, and I'm assuming that's out of 100. So I think that's good, right? Um, probably, yeah. And so I think there's IMDb reviews from users or 
whatever, like people who have accounts on IMDb. And the popularity right now is is a 47, which I'm guessing is not the best. Um, not the best number. There's 60, 67. Well, it's like 130 total reviews. Score of 47. Not sure exactly how that pans out, but jumping over to Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter uh, is 86%, an average rating of 7.6 out of 10, out of uh, and that's uh, 131 reviews. Uh, the audience score out of 3,689 reviews is 64%. So I feel like the critical reception is noticeably different than the audience reception of, of the movie. Yeah, and I mean, and that happens, right? So. So, and I think the overall take right now for it is somewhere around $10 million for the opening weekend, which is pretty low. Yeah. Um, If you're in the UK, though, my understanding is in March, you'll be able to see this on Netflix. Going over to Box Office Mojo right now. Box Office Mojo, which still looks like a, a website that was made in like the 1980s. I don't how know do they, if I've ever been on that. I'm going to go look. How how do how do websites how do successful websites get away from looking terrible? Uh, domestic opening gross is 11 million dollars. So, um, I mean, Black Panther only did 108 million. So yeah. for this weekend, production budget of 40 million, which is way lower than I expected it to be. Uh, released on 2012 screens, so they're averaging $5,500 a screen for the weekend. Uh, the theater I was in, I sent Rob a picture four minutes before the start time of the movie. There were only two other people, um, but during the 20-plus minutes of trailers, um, about 10 more people came into the theater, and that was at 6.40 on a Sunday night. I saw it in the afternoon, like 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, and there's probably about 20 people in there. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's move on from movies for a little bit. Let's talk about our next book review. Queen yeah. of the Struggle by Nick Corpin. Um, I think I may have mentioned the last episode that was going to be the next episode. This is kind of a bonus. So I'm, I'm, I'm holding true to what I said in the last episode. So come back uh, later this week or potentially early next week for our review of Queen of the Struggle, followed immediately, and by immediately, I mean probably like a few days later, by an interview with the author himself, Nick Corbin. Until then, I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading.